It's time for Tycoons of Small Biz, spotlighting the true backbone of the American economy, the true tycoons of business in America, the owners, founders, and CEOs of small businesses. The show's hosts, Austin Peterson and Landon Mance, are registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons. Good afternoon, Tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host, Austin Peterson, here as always, but today I happen to be broadcasting from Paseo del Sol, a condo complex in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, the best co-host in the business, Landon Mance from Las Vegas, Nevada. And we are excited to have in studio, or excuse me, on the show with us today, Coco Vinny Zaldivar, Chief Coconut. First time I've ever said that, by the way. Chief Coconut at Coco Taps for coming to us from Las Vegas, Nevada as well. Vinny, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Yeah, excited to have you. Before we jump into the show, if you're listening to this show for the first time, uh, just kind of give a brief explanation of what it is that we do here at Tycoons and Small Biz. We are a radio program slash podcast that is by small business owners for small business owners. And our intent here is to highlight small businesses that we believe are truly the backbone of the American economy. They need all the, the help that they can get, all the opportunities that they have to be highlighted, to tell their story, and to get word out about their business. And so we know that we've got a true tycoon on the show with us today with Coco Vinny. You know that we know that you've got a really great story to tell. And so we're going to jump in and, and uh, have you tell that story. But we typically have our guests start by telling a little bit about themselves personally. So if you don't mind, tell us you know, where you grew up, a little bit about your family life, and, and kind of what brought you to doing what you're doing today, if you don't mind. All right. Well, I tell everyone I'm Coco Vinny, but uh, my birth name is Vincent Paul Zaldivar. I was born in Southern California in Bellflower, was there till about uh, 10 years old. Then my entire family moved to Las Vegas, Nevada. And that's where I grew up and started my first business here in Las Vegas at 16 years old. And I've been, uh, you know, thrown into entrepreneurialism by necessity. And so necessity is the mother of invention. And I've done a lot of different deals in different sectors. And thankfully, I've learned so many lessons that I ended up somehow tapping into the coconut market. So, um, yeah, I tell people I'm a six foot five Mexican Jew. Uh, I'm a cocoa crazy entrepreneur. I find the demand and I fill it. And wherever there's pain, I try and like to heal it or, you know, help fix it. So that's what I do on a daily we're always solving problems, fighting fires, and having fun doing it. Yeah, so I want to explore a little bit more about what you said there, where you said, uh, I fell into entrepreneurship out of necessity. So I, I think I know what you mean by that, but expound on that a little bit for us. So when I was about 15 years old, my father went to prison, and that changed the course of all of our lives, basically. So my dad was an entrepreneur as well. He had a big limousine company and whatnot, but he was uh, extremely entrepreneurial and was selling the wrong product. And so one day he put a big, uh, a, a big drug deal together and it was all a setup and a crazy adventure that we lost our house. We lost our cars. We lost everything. 
So we basically almost went homeless. I became head of the household at 15 and a half. And he went away for 25 years to life. So that in itself catapulted me into figuring it out. I worked two full-time jobs. I went to school, but that wasn't enough. So that I had to start my own business. And so I started a company called Body and Soul. I was the youngest licensed massage therapist in Nevada at the time. And I built that company really quickly. I was able to uh, acquire all kinds of great customers, you know, high-stress individuals, athletes. And then I started hiring therapists. So that turned into a whole big business. And we had massage therapists um, up and down Fremont Street. We're doing chair massages, all kinds of fun stuff. So it was, it was part of the, the evolutionary process of how I got here. But a uh, happy ending to my father going to prison is I lobbied the Supreme Court of Nevada and was able to get him out without an attorney. Uh, it took me eight years, but we got him pardoned and got him out. So that was an amazing uh, learning experience as well. Wow. So how long ago did that take place? So I just turned 43. I was 16 when he went away. And when he got out of jail, I was about 23 and change. So uh, that was approximately 2003, four, somewhere around there. I think we got him out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. that's, That's an amazing story. Yeah, he's a great guy too. He he served in Vietnam. He's a retired Vietnam vet. He lives in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, that was the only one and only time where he had uh, was convicted of a crime. Thankfully, it, it was pardoned because it was it was kind of crazy the way it all went down. So it it mirrors a lot of these movies you see, like Scarface or Blow or any of these crazy movies out there. So I grew up with an untraditional upbringing, to say the least. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably one of the most interesting stories we've seen. And uh, obviously, I mean, you know, seven years serving a sentence is, is not nothing, right? But it's not also 25 to life. And not only yeah. did you not, or excuse me, not only did you get him released, but you got the pardon as well. I mean, I think that that's probably unheard of. Yeah, people, everybody said it was impossible. Uh, I sat with Mayor Oscar Goodman's partner, uh, David Chesnoff. I sat with the best of the best. Everyone said it was impossible. And that's when I took over. And I said, I don't think it's impossible. I'm going to go get it done. And I did. I, I, I put together in a tremendous package uh, with high, you know, affluent people. And I just told my story and got it done, you know, just to, didn't give up. Well, that's, I mean, that's the entrepreneurial spirit right there, right? I mean, you, you applied it somewhere else outside of business, but that's definitely the entrepreneurial spirit that, uh, that leads to an entrepreneur being as successful as you are. Yeah, I, I have a saying, and we usually have it up. It says, every setback is a setup for a comeback. So no matter what, like, you know, Rocky says, it's not how hard you get hit, but it's how you can get up and keep on going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right. So we know that your driving force behind what you do today is really to reverse climate change. And so your way of doing there, doing that is through, you know, coconut water and tapping coconuts and doing it in a certain way. So just kind of give us your background, your 80 year plan that you call it to help reverse uh, climate change. 
Well, it, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we're all going to have uh, in the future generations is food, air, and water. So clean food, clean air, and water are going to be the commodities that we're all going to be um, dying for, literally. And so uh, when I, when I do- dove into Cocoa Taps uh, and I started the company, I had my three non-negotiables. It had to be good for people, good for planet, it had to be fun. And when I, when I started this company, it was on the premise of reversing climate change. And that's, that's hard to do. The coconut comes from the tree of life. And what we've learned is that the coconut tree actually is one of the most carbon sequestering plants on the planet. So each year, a coconut tree can sequester up to 80 pounds of carbon. And so over a 25-year period, that's one metric ton of carbon can be sequestered out of the air into the soil, and it turns that carbon into some valuable stuff. There's over 360 products that a coconut tree can produce that we use. Oils, lotions, soaps, candies, ice creams, tap coconuts, all of it, right? It's a, it, it produces food, air, and water, this magical little fruit here. So because you can eat the meat, there's all sorts of recipes. And so what I realized is like, okay, if I plant a million coconut trees, in essence, I can help solve the problem in the United States for coconut water. I mean, we could produce 150 million coconuts a year just from a million coconut trees. And so there's all this fun stuff that I've been exploring. And so, yeah, my 80-year plan is to plant over a million coconut trees and help uh, localize food production, produce, and all kinds of good stuff in the United States. So that's, that's my, my 80-year plan is, is to sequester as much carbon as we can because we're all emitting it like crazy from everywhere. We're not putting it where it needs to be. It doesn't, carbon does not belong in the air. It belongs in the soil so it, the plants can turn it into valuable food, air, and water. Yeah, so, I think that's an awesome, yeah, I think that's an awesome mission that you've got there. So tell us how long ago the company was founded and how many trees you've planted so far. Okay, so... We started Cocoa Taps in 2014 as full R&D. I developed the, the tapping system, the tap, and I brought it to market, started selling Cocoa Taps products at the end of 2015-16 in Las Vegas. Um, we haven't even started our agriculture side of it. Right now, what we're doing is we're building the demand side. So we're educating people on the fresh tap coconuts, we're validating and all the efficacies of our patents and our, and our proprietary inventions. And now that that's starting to grow and scale, now we're looking at land in both Puerto Rico and Hawaii to start to localize the U.S. Uh, supply chain of the coconuts. So it's a, it's a really, you know, like I said, an 80-year plan. We should be planting coconut trees probably 2022 to 2023. We already found land. We're working through all that. I have a platform uh, that's being built right now where you can actually be a part of this mission with us and sponsor a tree. So it's, it's called Cocoa NF Trees. And I don't know if you guys know what an NF tree, uh, NFT is, but I created this thing called the NF Tree. So for $1,000, we plant a tree, say in Hawaii, in the exact latitude, longitude of where that tree is planted. And you have a digital 
picture that's uploaded every six months of how your tree's growing. You can come to the exact location on the farm, hug your tree eventually. And the first coconuts that, that are grown, the first one gets mailed right to your house. And that'll guarantee for 25 years, we will care, water, and harvest that tree. You'll do that for $1,000. It's 11 cents a day for uh, 9,100 days approximately. And so that's, that's the NF tree program. So we're going we're gonna to reach out to the crowd and everybody will be able to own a piece of the cocoa dream. Um, and they can gift it to their parents. And then there's other things that you can do with your NF tree. There's tremation ceremonies. You can spread the ashes of your grandpa on that tree and, and always come there and visit the memorial garden of it. So many fun things that are going to happen long-term with it. So that's how we're going to do it. That's how we're going to scale. We're going to get, uh, literally just get a million people to put in a thousand bucks. Love it. Awesome. Love it. That is awesome, man. Uh, I love how specific that is and how, uh, you know, you've got a game plan for the, the follow-up of your ask, which uh, I think that just really helps to get people really bought into the, uh, into the, you know, idea and, and get behind it. So that's very cool, man. And we'll have hey. to, uh, <laughs> we'll have to subscribe to your newsletter. I, I'm guessing, uh, we can stay abreast to your, uh, developments to your newsletter. So, uh, I saw that on your website, so I'll have to go on and subscribe. Yeah. It's, it's literally in the, in the making now, like we, we're building the templates. We're going to, you know, we're, we're filming videos. We're going to have the drone footage of, of the properties. Once we close escrow on that, just it's a every day, there's always something to work on. And, um, you know, you're in Vegas, Landon, we have something coming out called the cocoa shack on the strip. And we'll be serving rum and cocos out there, uh, right across the street from the, from the shops at Aria. And it's going to be just wild coming out here in the next probably six weeks. So I can't wait to show you that. You guys got to come to the to the Coco Shack. Yeah, very cool, man. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. So before we kind of get any deeper into this conversation, tell us about the business, you know, as it lives and breathes today. Um, yeah. You know, Austin and I, obviously, you know, we kind of have an idea of what you do, but tell all our listeners, I mean, what what, what is your business, what it is you guys do exactly? And then how did you kind of, you know, how did you invent this, uh, you know, Cocoa Tap system? Yeah. So let's start with the invention of the system. So when I started this whole deal, it was by accident. I was actually pitching an investor on uh, another project we wanted to purchase. He wasn't feeling it. It was, I could tell it wasn't a fit for him, but we were at the table hanging out and his assistant brought these young Thai coconuts to the table and they weren't like this, but they were just these white coconuts cut open, hacked open. And he's like, try it. And I I straight out told him, I said, you know, I don't like coconuts. I don't like coconut water. He goes, just try it. And once I did, it opened up something in my cocoa soul and it literally it literally did something to me physiologically because I was like, that's amazing. And so every day after my workouts, I had a knife and a hammer and I would crack the shit out of these coconuts. By about two weeks of that, every day after my workout, I had one coconut. After about two weeks, the knife started to chip and bend. It wasn't fun because my mom called me. She goes, you know that knife you've been using? She goes, that belongs to your stepdad, Bill. And he's pissed. 
he bought that in Germany 20 years ago. And I was like, oh no. So that was the pain that started it all. And I said, I can't be the only Jamoke sitting here messing up kitchen knives and almost chopping off their fingers doing this. So that's how that was born. I said, why don't we just take the top of a water bottle and put it into a coconut? Literally that simple of an idea. Next thing I know, I'm spending tens of thousands of dollars in two years of R&D trying to get that done. And I did. I created the CocoTaps toolkit, which you can still buy on our website now and on Amazon. But that was the 1.0 version. And then I realized that a toolkit wasn't a sustainable residual business. So then I started branding, tapping them, and I launched them in Las Vegas by pure chance. I just showed it to a couple of people and they're like, we need that here. We need that at this hotel. And I think the Wynn Resort was one of our first customers, which usually doesn't happen that like a five-star resort becomes your first customer. So that was just a, a, a crazy adventure in itself, you know, of getting that going. And it's just been a wild adventure nonstop because every, you know, every, you know, projects, you know, presents all kinds of new problems. So there's endless stories on that. Now, fast forward to today, we have a fully functioning zero waste certified tap facility, which means that we don't have a trash bill. We upcycle, reuse, repurpose, and eliminate everything in our supply chain now from the boxes that the coconuts come here from the farms. We repurpose those and deliver those to our customers, to the little cellophane that's wrapped on here. We recycle all that. Um, but we are a awesome, lean, mean team in Las Vegas that produces almost 4,000 coconuts a week. And that's going to scale to 40,000 here as we open up Southern California, Hawaii, uh, Dallas, Texas, and all the other things coming out. Um, so it's pretty exciting. Uh, to just look back for a minute that this has been almost eight years of my life and that it's just beginning. So it's amazing how when you fall into the right project and you get your passion and you get your purpose met and you, you just, just got it that it, you know, that flows. And I'm just blessed to have had that. It took me a lot of companies and a lot of ways to find it, but it's, you know, it's great to, to be here. Yeah, so you don't know this, uh, Kokovini, but you and I actually go, we, we go way back, my friend. I, I've been yeah. following your journey for many, many years. I, I first <laughs> saw you on uh, on The Prophet, which is one of my all-time favorite shows. And anytime <laughs> I'm watching a show, even if my wife has no interest in it, if there's somebody that is from Vegas or lives in Vegas, like it just immediately, she's like, Oh, like, who is that? Like, I want to see if I know him. Cause <laughs> she's, she's born and raised here. So she's been here 37 years. So, okay. uh, so she watched that episode with me and, uh, we really enjoyed it. And then, um, as a follow-up to that, um, we've got a mutual business associate friend, Shelly Woodrow. Oh uh, yeah. Big shout out to Shelly. Shelly's an amazing woman. She's a professional EOS implementer, which I want to ask you about in a couple minutes. But uh, yeah, that's why we're talking today because she made the introduction. But it's my understanding, and I, I feel like 
like you alluded to, there's probably uh, hours and hours and hours of stories that you could share with us, which would be really interesting to hear. But uh, due to the fact that we've only got another half an hour, but I, I figured that you could talk to us a little bit about what life has been like for you in the last 18 months, because, you know, COVID. your business was delivering this really cool product and experience to people, I believe primarily on the strip and on cruise ships. And mm -hmm. when both of those uh, came to a screeching halt, what the heck did you do? And just talk to us a little bit about that. And I think you made some pretty cool pivots to keep things alive. So just talk to us about that for a couple of minutes, if you would. Yeah, you know, it, it, was, it was one of the most challenging times because we were just about to take off. We were literally just about to blast off cruise ships, Royal Caribbean cruises were gaining traction everywhere. And then all of a sudden, whammo to zero. So when that setback happened, I used it as an opportunity. Um, and we have, during the COVID, we have developed a whole new automated process processing machine called the Tapomatic. So I hired a whole team of, well, before I hired the team of engineers and robotics guys, I actually went out and started raising money. So I started a fundraise in the middle of the pandemic. We just finished it. We raised a million dollars in our seed round of investment. Thankfully, people still believed, even though the numbers, I mean, we had zero, zero revenue for almost a year, right? But it wasn't totally zero because we, we all rolled up our sleeves. Um, we went out to public parks and places where there was people and we set up a table. And instead of giving up, we did fundraising for charities. We, we did some collaborations with Foursquare. We, did, we worked uh, hand in hand with a group called New Life Beginnings. They're a homeless women and children's shelter. So where all the pain was accelerated to COVID, we tried to help by selling coconuts for that cause. So we ended up selling thousands and thousands of coconuts um, for different nonprofit organizations. And that got our guerrilla marketing chops going. We're out there interacting with people, learning, growing, things that we've never done before. We're like, let's set up here. There's a bunch of people walking by. And if they tell us to leave, we'll leave. But you know what? We got to get out there. We got to do something. So we did that. And um, we're still doing it today. I mean, we, we work our guts out uh, just going out and doing guerrilla marketing and helping raise money on the weekends for New Life Beginnings. We set up at the Vegas sign. We set up at different places where people need hydration, where they're dying of heat stroke and there's no vendors out there. So we just show up everywhere. And that's been part of the pivot is just to show up and get out there. Um, gratefully, the, the Tapomatic machine's almost done. So we're going to be able to, the Tapomatic machine basically automated everything we do at the facility here. It'll just do it at the back of the bar. You just put the coconut in, it'll laser brand it, drill the hole, inject uh, liquor, and then tap it. So you're going to have rum and cocoa fresh off the bar from the Tapomatic machine. And that's almost finished. I mean, I literally have a, a team of robotics engineers putting all the pieces of that together. We, we made everything in the USA except for two pieces. We have the laser that we get from overseas as well as the microchips. Everything else, sourced local, uh, built local. And that's going to be a tremendous story coming right out of Las Vegas, how we're building this Tapomatic machine here. So um, like I said, 
every setback set up for a comeback. It was one of the hardest hitting business challenges I've had. And we have hit back even harder. I mean, we are just coming at them. We're not stopping. We put the gas pedals on the right. We hit it. Yeah, I think that's in. Oh, sorry, Landon. I was just going to say, I think that's inspiring to listen to. I think that you did some things that a lot of entrepreneurs aren't willing to do uh, when they have a setback like that to, you know, just get out there and hit the streets. And the other thing, you know, you said earlier, you've been, you know, this is something you've been working on for eight years and you feel like it's just about to take off. And you had some things that were going on right before, you know, Royal Caribbean and, you know, all those sorts of things, which, you know, it just makes me think about everybody from the outside that doesn't know you or doesn't know your company is going to view this as an overnight success, right? Because everybody, there's these eight to 10 years that everybody works, whether it's actors, entertainers, whoever it is, and all of a sudden they're an overnight success. The same thing happens in business. People think, oh my gosh, that thing just blew up and it went huge, you know, super (laughs) quick. Well, no, there was eight years behind that, right? I mean, Landon and I have been doing this. I've been doing it for 20 years. Landon's been doing it for like 12. Like, this is not an overnight success thing. When you're building a business, it's blood, sweat, and tears for years before that overnight success happens. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like it's overnight. I mean, like I said, I just spent 11 days in Hawaii in meetings, and it felt like one long day. So it all just a blur. You just get on, get in the boat and row and just keep rowing, you know? And like I said, it's nothing is fixed. You know, people try to overplan things. I did not have a plan going into this deal and I still don't. You just take it as it comes. If you, if you say, I want to, you know, you get in the boat, you say, I want to go to that Island and you get there and it's full of life-threatening situations. You get back in the boat and you get the hell out of there, you know? And so there's just, you just got to learn as you go on the job training and, and uh, don't take yourself too serious. Don't take anything too serious because none of us are getting out of here alive, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a perfect segue. Uh, you set that up so nicely. So thank you. What a perfect segue to uh, just talk for a minute. Uh, I know this really wasn't uh, necessarily part of the part of the, the schedule, whatever that means, but what a good segue to talk a little bit about uh, EOS, and uh, I know you know you, you've you know you you've publicly shared that uh, you know you're working with Shelly implementing EOS, and that um, I think it's something that is uh, somewhat new to you. You know, maybe in the last 12, 12 months or so. But talk to us a little bit about EOS. Maybe just describe what it is for anybody that doesn't know, and then uh, tell us maybe a little bit about how implementing EOS in your business. Uh, maybe that uh, yeah. changes your uh, changes your approach. You know, before you get on that boat and just go to that island, maybe EOS is starting <laughs> you, helping you think a little bit more strategically about that. Yeah, well, thankfully, not everybody is like that in the team. I'm the I'm the quickest start that that I know. That you know, Shelly and I are real quick starts. I started working with Shelly about I think about 16 months ago. Um, and she's been an amazing coach and implementer and, and just, she's been awesome. It's taught me a lot about managing and measuring. And so, you know, if, if you don't measure it, you can't really manage it. And that's still a challenge for us because there's so much going on. You're so busy. You sometimes don't even have time to like step up and do it. But this 
uh, EOS program helps us do that, helps us get in that mode to ask the right questions and to see what's going on. I mean, we have it up on our wall, you know, like what's working, what's not working and like, what's the, where's our rocks at and all that. So we're working diligently to have a culture of, of measuring and, and a culture of management. It's been, you know, a guy like me, I'm a very uh, innovative, eccentric. I don't take anything as fact. I challenge everything and every kind of authority there is. I always want to know why and how we can make it better. And so that's how we come up with these crazy things. But um, I have a great team behind me that helps us implement and helps us execute on some of the crazy things that I say. And, and Shelly keeps uh, helps to keep you accountable <laughs> to doing that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She, yeah. She's a great job. And actually our business now, uh, we're not even out of COVID yet. I mean, it's still the, the residual effects of it are still here, but our volumes are back up over what we were pre-COVID potentially. I mean, granted, if we had some cruise ships now, we had a couple of theme parks and others, then it would be even better. So we're working towards that now. Before I ask this question, I, I just want to point blank ask you, do you get annoyed with people asking you about being on the profit sure. and or something? No, I love it. Um, okay. What What's funny is that it's reality TV. And so when people ask me about it and I enlighten them on how it really is, they're like, wow, really? You know, so there's just some wild and crazy things that go on on those TV shows. They are there to write a crazy script and they have a field day with me. I give them great content. I mean, I play the ukulele. I've got this crazy coconut thing. I dress like I'm some kind of Panama Jack guy every day. So, you know, that in itself is great TV, I think. Plus, I'm a big animated six foot five Mexican Jewish dude. And so what they really are shocked to learn is that, you know, Shark Tank is six minutes, six to seven minutes long, that, that one pitch. It's 60 minutes of hammering questions and you are just getting pummeled with questions that they don't even let you answer. They literally are trying to answer Mark Cuban and Robert Hershebeck interrupts and Lori says, forget about that. And what about this? And I'm sitting here like, yo, what the hell? There's five people screaming at you. That's a frenzy of a, of a thing to do. And then they edit all 60 minutes of that content into six minutes. So there's a lot of content on the floor that never made TV that I let people in on sometimes. And it's really fun to, to do that. I don't, I don't get upset at all for the masking. I tell them, go watch it again. And I'll walk you through some other things that happened. You know, it's kind of fun. Right. Right. Well, talk to us, talk to us just for a minute about, about being on the profit. That was how I yeah. first, uh, first came to know who you were. And, um, you know, Marcus Limonis, uh, certainly not someone I know personally, but uh, kind of always someone I've looked up to in business. So what was it like uh, being on The Profit? So Marcus is a, is a brilliant mind. He, uh, he's he's an interesting guy, I got to say. Um, it was a whirlwind. We flew around the country over like six weeks of filming to like all over. And, you know, I went from uh, Vegas to 
Key West to California to Chicago to Illinois to I was all over the place. And the thing that I learned from that is that it's reality TV. And nothing you see on TV is what you think it is. So there was a couple of interesting things that happened on the show where I had been developing this tap, this fully ocean-safe, plant-based, biodegradable, not plastic cap and tap. I was in development for three years working with a group out of California called Beyond Green. And when the show came out, I hadn't seen the cuts that they did or what they wrote into the script. And that was the biggest shocking thing to me because Marcus basically said that he took me to Beyond Green and introduced me and that this was kind of his idea. But the reality is I had already showed him, I said, this is what's coming out. We're going to be fully zero waste. And I'd spent three years working on it. And then everybody in the audience, I had 90 people in the screening and the viewing of this thing live. And I look at everybody in the room and they're like, what is this bullshit? You know? And so, so many things that happen on TV versus reality. And that's why they call it reality TV. So um, I don't know. I can say I enjoyed every bit of it and I enjoy every moment when they rerun it because it's building brand equity for Cocoa Taps, for our mission, for our vision and what we do. And that's all I can say is thank you, because I would have had to write a check for $40 million already to get that kind of airtime that I'm getting on CNBC and on ABC. It's glorious. Yeah. I mean, like they say, there's, there's really no bad publicity. Right. And, <laughs> and the other thing, the other thing that I think of is, you know, it, it's funny how everybody watches, I mean, everybody gets sucked into these reality TV shows. Right. And I love the shark tank. I, I like, you know, I like Mark Cuban. I like watching, you know, the interactions between all of them. And, you know, I sit there and I watch it with my kids and my wife and, you know, I, I'll explain a few things that they don't fully understand because none of them have a background in business. My wife's got a bachelor's degree in history, you know, with an emphasis in World War II. Business is not her thing. So it, it's cool to kind of interact. But I also have an 18-year-old daughter that's showing some interest in business. And so, you know, we were able to talk through that. But the other part of this story is that my wife's, one of her best friends from high school is married to a guy who has a master's degree in screenwriting. He's written a bunch of screenplays, has never had any of them picked up for movies, but he raised his family and took care of them financially his entire career up until a couple of years ago when he took an executive job, um, still in TV, but writing for reality TV shows. Like people think it's unscripted. It's not. It is scripted. I mean, it may not be word for word, but these things are scripted. Well, and the business shows aren't as scripted, uh, but like you get something like the Kardashians or anything else. It's just all, it's all, yeah, it's all fake. But like literally I I went into the tank and um, I did my own pitch and they didn't know what was coming in there. So it's not as scripted, but they make edits big time. There's a lot of edits. <laughs> yeah, a lot of edits. And, and you know, it's not like they don't tell Kevin O'Leary to be the way that he is or Barb Corcoran or, you know, right. They're expected to have certain personalities and to react in certain ways. Right. So it may not be they're, fully scripted, but it's when, yeah. when they're questions, they're in their ear. They have an earpiece and they're saying, ask him this or do that or 
<laughs> the whole time I could hear the producers in the back saying things to them. So they're oh, writing go. Wow. Oh, they're writing it as they go. So wild. <laughs> That's crazy. All right. So you mentioned you mentioned the biodegradable tap and cap. So and and where it was, you know, put together and, and the way that you did that over three years. But tell us more about what it is. Like what what's it actually made of? It's plant-based, but I mean so this cap and this tap here is made out of a maize corn flour and uh, oil that will actually injection mold just like plastic. And it's got similar properties of plastic. It's not as rigid or as hard. It has mm-hmm. some gift, but it serves its purpose perfectly and beautifully. It's marine safe, which means if this ever gets in the ocean, it is not going to hurt the ecosystem. It will degrade quick. And so... That's the beautiful thing is that we have innovated some amazing formulas that we filed patents around. I've actually got formulas where we grind this whole coconut up and upcycle those fibers into the, into the material. And so I have coconut uh, formulas. I have, there's a big problem in the world with coffee grounds, used coffee grounds end up in landfill. They don't degrade. They just create methane. We can take those coffee grounds, prevent them from going to landfill and upcycle them into products like these and other things that Starbucks should be using. Literally, I have a, a Starbucks cup here and we think about this daily. There, there's this huge reusable program going on. That everybody's talking about reusing things, right? It's reusable. But if they would just make their plastic tops that are the single-use stuff out of fully biodegradable, compostable things, they wouldn't have to even struggle with all that. They could upcycle their used coffee grounds into products like these that they're already using, save themselves so much money, and save the planet. So, you know, we, we write to these people. We write to Starbucks. We write to the head of sustainability all the time. But they don't, they don't hear me yet. But we're coming at them when I have my own farms and when I have things cracking then they'll start to pay attention, I believe. Yeah, I think, and from a business standpoint, there's there's one side, right? I mean, that what you're doing for the planet, I think is humongous. It's amazing. It's, you know, we all need to do better than what we're doing today. On the business side, though, you know, the patents and the different things that you've mentioned and the processes that you have in place, that may end up being more profitable business-wise than the actual tapped coconuts. Right. I mean, that's the interesting yeah. thing of this. Like the coconuts are great and they're, you know, <laughs> they could go a lot of places, hotels, cruise ships, every, you know, there's a lot of places to sell those things. And, and I'm sure you're going to continue to be wildly successful there. But holding those patents to have other companies use those to do some of the same things that their products could end up being a huge windfall from a business standpoint for you. We're, we're planning on doing licensing of our IP. We're planning on, uh, doing some consulting and helping. We just want to help. And the cool part about being so zero waste driven is that mother nature doesn't make anything that has waste. Mother nature created a perfect design. There is zero waste in mother nature in her systems. And so when we segment and we create our man-made systems, that's what destroys mother nature's free IP. She gives us intellectual property for free that we can use. That's That's perfect. And so Zero waste saves money because when you're wasting something and you're throwing something away, you're losing money. But if you can 
literally close the loop. It's a circular economic model that we're building here. You close that loop, all your money stays inside, stays in your pocket. And that's the thing I'm trying to teach people. It's like, geez, just, just doing it. They say, oh, well, that's better for the planet, but you can't make any money. It's actually the reverse. It's more profitable to be zero waste. You got to work to get it there. It's harder in the beginning. But once you get it, then you just start printing money. So that's the, that's the real you know, gem for us is that when we complete this farm to fridge, back to farm system, we will be making money, literally making money out of the ground, off the trees, everywhere. So that's the, that's the goal. That's why it's such an exciting plan. It's like, it might take us 20, 30 years to get there. But once we're there, it's like, God bless America. <laughs> I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's an interesting change, right? People have to think about it differently. Business owners have to think about it differently. But there's there's so much upside. And and the other thing that I would say is, you know, to the business owners that are listening or any other audience members that we have that, that aren't business members, like sometimes business owners are put in this box of money hungry, greedy people, right? And that's clearly not your mission, right? I mean, we're all we're all trying to make money. We all have families to take care of. But the more money that you're able to make, regardless of how it gets there, whether it's the IP or, or the actual coconuts themselves, that allows you to do even more for the mission that you have, right? Because I would love to say, you know, fast forward 10 years from now, we're still in touch. We're, you know, whatever, doing some things together business-wise or we're in touch at some point. And you're saying to me or to me and Landon, hey, guys, I know I had an 80-year plan to to plant a million trees, but guess what? We're on pace to plant 10 million trees before I leave this planet. You know, like that mission is not going to change for you regardless of how successful your business becomes. And I, I think that gets missed a lot by the, by the public at large. Yeah, no, well, and we're always forced into this, you know, um, public company reporting, you know, what'd you do last quarter? What's your, what's your, what's your sales right now? All the, even the shark tank. Those guys aren't long-term, long-tail thinking. They're, they just want to write a check, 50 grand. They want to get it ramped up and scaled and flip it. Five, 50 grand in, they want 500,000 out. So, I mean, we literally have to, um, we, we literally have to start thinking a little bit more long-tail, a little bit. And, and business owners, anybody who's wanting to start a business, I would say be prepared to make little to no money for five to 10 years. Okay. I'm still on a $3,500 a month salary that gives you an idea. And I don't, I don't need anything. I have, you know, everything I need is, is right here. I don't, sometimes less can be more because, you know, I've had in my last company, I raised $18 million in venture funding. I was a CEO of this gaming company and I was miserable. I was looking through some W-2s from 10 and 11, 2010 and 11. I was, I was clearing 150, 200 grand a year and I thought I had made it. You know, that's not a ton of money, but it was just, I was, I was not as happy as I am now. And so I just, there's so many things you got to weigh out, you know, that, and uh, entrepreneurialism and being your own boss is not for everyone. That's all I got to say. You got to have the, you got the big coconuts for this, y'all. 
<laughs> Are your coconuts big enough, Landon, for this? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. But but what I do know is that uh, if you've got your ukulele handy, you know, can you can you play us a song for you know a minute or two before we uh, wrap up here? So I have some bad news, and I'm gonna have to go acapella without a ukulele because when I got off the plane from Hawaii, we landed in Long Beach, and we literally got back in the in the ride to Vegas, and they left my ukulele in Long Beach. So I am without ukulele today, and I apologize but I can sing it a cappella. So we'll just say that I'm playing the ukulele right now. And it's life can be a tough nut to crack. Cocoa taps will get you right on track. Great taste and less waste too. Coming to you from the Mexican Jew when it's got to be fresh. Right for the tree. Fresher than fresh is the best way to be. No mess and no stress too. You got to tap your thirst because cocoa dreams come true, baby. Yeah, Coco Taps. <laughs> I got something I got for you guys. Yeah, uh, I love it. Lately, but uh, I really uh, I love this interview and I love you guys. And, you know, I uh, appreciate the support and the love. Anything I can do, you know, let me know. Right on, man. Yeah, love no, it. we. Yeah, we appreciate the time, and and that's the first time that we've had somebody sing on the uh, the program. But I don't think it'll <laughs> be the last time. Just fair warning, Landon. <laughs> I I'm coming. Yeah, well, I didn't bring warm it, up bring even. It. I'm, I'm a lot better with the ukulele because it helps keep me in tune, but uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, I had fun. Yeah, no, we re- we really appreciate the time, and, and I do look forward to staying in touch with you. I think we've got a lot of things in common, and obviously Shelly in the intro, and and uh, and we'll you know we'll stay in touch, and we'll we'll look forward to having you back on if you're open to it in you know a year or so, and and tell us where you are. I mean, we're hoping that you're doing 40,000, you know, coconuts a week instead of 4,000. So, I mean, we're going to get there and I, I, I'd love to keep coming back, giving guys some updates and, you know, check it in. Sounds awesome. Good. Hey, Coco Vinny, if anybody wants to uh, follow the mission, get in touch with you, have a conversation or find themselves sure. a, a coconut to, uh, you know, get uh, imprinted <laughs> with their business on it. How do they uh, track you down, man? You can reach us at cocotaps.com. We are uh, Coco Taps for you, F O R Y O U, at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can also reach me personally at Coco Vinny. That's C O C O V I N N Y. Just sending y'all some Coco love. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for coming on. Enjoyed it. Awesome. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz. Proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners. Austin and Landon have offices in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, and represent clients in 14 states throughout the country. Join Austin, Landon, and the Featured Tycoons live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here on Business Radio X and your favorite podcast platform.